Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio, Hall of Fame angler and guide Tom Newstrom will join us to talk about the future of walleye fishing in Minnesota. Did you guarantee him a walleye Saturday morning? Oh, it's hard. I never do that. I, I <laughs> never can do that. I can't guarantee anything. The politicians do it all the time. Come on, Tom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eric Osberg tells us about an insane crappie bite in Ottertail Lakes country. I think this might be the best crappie bite I've ever been on in my life. And Joe Henry tells us what conditions are like at Lake of the Woods. Almost as far as you can see, it was open water. We're not just a radio show anymore. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. That's a new personal best bike here. Now here's your host, Brett Amundsen. Welcome to the show. If you walleye fish in Minnesota or any of the states around it, we got a great show for you. Stick around because we're going to talk about the future of walleye fishing in Minnesota and also what you might want to do on opening weekend here uh, to catch more fish and put more fish in the boat. Uh, Tom Newstrom, he's a Hall of Fame angler, uh, guides out of the Grand Rapids area. He's going to join us. We had a great conversation with Tom to talk about uh, walleye fishing in Minnesota, where, where it's been, where we're going and uh, he's got some tips to help you catch more fish. We're also going to get the latest on Lake of the Woods and what the ice conditions and the river conditions are like up there uh, coming up later the show. And Eric Osberg, he texted me the other day. He goes, we were just on an insane crappie bite. He's going to tell us where he was finding these big crappies and how he was catching them coming up in just a little bit. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, who are our sponsors this week? Yeah, our sponsors this week are Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. On Devil's Lake, plan a trip to Devil's Lake at haybillheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism, Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Camp Grayling, catch the Grand Slam Lake, trout, pike, grayling, and walleye. Fish Camp Grayling in Saskatchewan this summer. On X, nor do you stand with On X. Mid-migration outfitters, plan a trip for this fall to hunt waterfowl out of heated 10-man pits and comfortable lines. Learn more at midmigrationoutfitters.com. And Prairie Sportsman, watch episodes anytime at the new Prairie Sportsman's YouTube channel. Nice job, Dan. Thanks. Very good. I was going to say the new season is underway, but it's not. We just wrapped it up. Uh, Although you could still see new episodes on your local PBS station, so check your guide or go check out that new YouTube channel, just like Dan said. Well, by all accounts, it sounds like most areas are postponed right now for walleyes. Uh, So uh, fishing could be a little bit interesting out there, maybe be uh, targeting some males. Tom has some more information about that. Dan, you're going to be headed up to Leech, it sounds like. Oh, Lady Leech, ice-free as of last week. So we'll see what that lake has to offer. It's always kind of hit or miss, but... Yeah, huck a huck a jig in a plastic around and see what wants to eat. Is that what you're gonna do mostly? Probably. You know, everyone goes to spot tail shiners up north, and hey, I don't know if we're gonna be able to find spot tails. Uh, we'll see what bait shops happen, if any. Um, but live bait's great. Live bait works. But I have more fun fishing plastics. I know you have found good success on them. You're starting to get into it more, and that's been something we've been doing on the river for a long time now. And now we're realizing why wouldn't it work on lakes and it does and you don't get your fingers cold digging into the bait well and you don't have to pay eight dollars for a dozen shiners you pay like four dollars for eight plastics that lasts you like three years and you catch a bunch of fish yeah yeah i'm all about the plastics now but i guarantee you i'm most likely going to have a bunch of minnows in my boat too it, well, probably it's, fatheads. it's a good safeguard yeah uh for opener this weekend but uh i'm liking the plastic game a lot more and more i'm going to be on a local lake and uh that's probably what we'll be doing is just dragging jigs uh probably in in shallower water from from all accounts maybe pitching jigs maybe try to find some some places uh to hit some pockets here and there things like that so i'm excited it's a nash it's it should be a state holiday um, I know it's. I think uh, it, it kind of is. Yeah, I guess it kind of is. I, I guess. Governor's fishing opener, of course, this weekend. Uh, Tom Newstrom is guiding the governor, so we're going to talk to Tom about his plans for taking uh, Governor Walls out in just a little bit. Um, I'm not done turkey hunting yet, and we we I know we talk about ticks and Lyme disease 
uh, quite a bit on this show, but we feel like it's a pretty important topic. And we've got a great interview next week here on this show with Dr. Uh, Bill Rawls, uh, who is a doctor who has Lyme disease, actually overcame Lyme disease, and he, he used some different remedies. So we're going to find out what he recommends to battle Lyme disease and what to look for, how to get it diagnosed. He answered a lot of, a lot of questions. You know, we've tried and tried to get a doctor on the show to talk about Lyme disease, and it's been real hard. So we look forward to, to having him on talking from a, from a medical perspective for somebody that's studied medicine and has been a practicing doctor for a long time. So he'll be on next week to talk about it. And I've been finding more and more ticks. I've been pulling so many ticks off a of tiny. So if you're if you're out there in the grass, walking through the woods, if you're still turkey hunting, make sure you're using some sort of uh, protective clothing or uh, maybe a permethrin uh, wash with your clothes. Uh, we've been mentioning it the last couple of weeks. We went out and hunted down in Missouri and Nebraska in the new Sitka Equinox Guard system. Went down there with Corey Loeffler and hunted hard, crawling through the grass, through the woods. There were ticks all over it. We had no ticks on us while we were wearing this clothing. It's uh, it's not the cheapest, but it is, uh, it's, it's good stuff. It works. Dan, you used it. Yeah, and like I, it, I made a post about it the other day and like having the confidence to be able to sit down and lean up against a tree and know, I don't have to worry about ticks. I don't yeah. have to worry about the bugs. All my focus is now on turkeys or whatever. Like there's something about that and it's it's worth it. Uh, it ticks are nothing you want to mess around with and if you got to pay a little extra for a little bit of protection you'll be thankful for it in the long run when it when you've actually learned what tick illnesses are all about we're talking about that your health and your health moving forward for the rest of your life and uh, it's an important prevention and i mean if you if i told you that you had to spend a little bit more money to stay healthy for the rest of your life i mean i know some of my buddies i wouldn't care <laughs> i wouldn't care about that but most of you probably would and this stuff is worth in fact i you know i got into turkey hunting i think uh this week 10 years ago this week i shot my first turkey i didn't grow up turkey hunting got into it really enjoyed congratulations it. Yes, thank you very much. And then actually got out of it for a number of years uh, because turkey turkey numbers weren't the best in my area, but I really didn't want to deal with ticks. I was starting, even going out and taking photos in the spring, doing a lot of wildlife photography, I was getting so many ticks on me that I was like, man, I, you know, I, I'm not liking this, but um, with this gear and permethrin, it's been uh, it's been a welcome change. Yeah, you, you, there's a little peace of mind when you get that it's stuff. It's huge. When you go oh, out there. Man and do it um happy birthday dan by the way yeah thank you thanks appreciate it celebrated a birthday this week yep. and shot your turkey this week sure did Got how'd that done. go yeah I, <laughs> I was telling you off air it was really was as far as turkey hunts go it was kind of boring and i didn't call once uh, they didn't really decoy but good scouting i guess and knowing where they're going to be pattern them in a couple days and had to go up north to go do it but got to hang out with some friends it was a really fun weekend and uh to punch that tag which was looming over my head and i still had one from last year that i didn't fill i was like i can't go two years without filling one and after we're done here we're gonna eat some delicious turkey so i'm pumped about that um so glad to get that done but uh yeah it was a uh, you can see the bird there it was a uh, Good to get that done. Good to good to punch that tag and uh, happy it's over. Now time to go fish. I'll give you credit, Dan, because I went on an eight day trip with Corey. We had twelve tags to fill. Uh, we filled we filled a few of them, not all of them, but we filled a few of them. And just I don't know how many gigs of footage that I got of turkey hunting, and I couldn't get a I couldn't get a turkey kill on camera. And it just drove me crazy that I came home without that because I was so jacked about it. I think I mm -hmm. talked about it on the show. It's just jacked to go down and get some amazing, you know, turkey beating up a decoy type footage. I, I've never been able to capture that. And I, I thought for sure we were going to get it on this trip. And we just didn't. The turkeys were tough and they were seeing us. We were running and gunning. So we weren't in a blind. We were, you know, stalking these birds, hiding in the trees. And I just didn't get it. You, you went out by yourself. Shot your turkey and filmed it. Yeah, so that's two turkeys dying on film this year now. That you got. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't get any more. I guess yeah. uh, that's, we'll let the viewers decide what that says about that. Sending you next time, <laughs> for sure. Well, congratulations, Thank by you. the way. Appreciate and uh, the other thing to be excited about, Dan, is we're less than a month away from going to Saskatchewan. Can't wait. It still doesn't feel real that we're going. Taz and Lake Lodge, we're going to head up there. Uh, June 14th is when they're going to open camp. And uh, we're going to be up there for it. And then we're going to stay up there for a couple of weeks and uh, do another season of Taz and TV. It'll be Dan's first trip up there. What, what are you looking forward to the most, Dan? Um, figuring out if the places 
is actually real or not because <laughs> it's one of those places it just doesn't doesn't feel legit but no seeing the obviously it's legit but that uh, feel i, I want to know what it feels like to hold on to a rod with a fish fighting that hard you yeah. know I, i've caught a couple big fish but i mainly walleye fish so they you know people give walleys a bad rap for not fighting and i disagree with that they definitely do fight but not as hard as a 50 pound lake trout and will i catch 50 pounder we'll find out but it's going to be fun regardless you know it, it's kind of interesting in a in a way you could almost compare wall, the way walleyes and lake trout fight i mean lake trout they're not going to be like a, fighting a smallmouth bass or or a, or a big pike or something like that they're so muscular and they're so strong and they head for the bottom mm -hmm. and they just try to basically rip the rod out of your hands like this you'll be kind of holding on for dear life like this and it's just uh some people have kind of compared it to uh, you know fishing in the ocean for big fish whether it be halibut or something like that but it's it becomes a kind of a battle a battle of the wills to some extent and there, there's definitely some fun moments to it they'll peel line and they'll roll uh the smaller ones will get up near the surface and start spinning around yeah. and uh you know though we don't even like catching the small ones because it's just well, like why would you it's just a pain <laughs> you have what you have yeah but the pike fishing too is world class up there and you know i caught a 50 inch pike up there uh last year when i was up there and we had a client catch a lake trout in 2019 the last year we had guests up there that was uh about 72 pounds so um it's gonna be a special place and we'll be filming up there and there are still some openings if you want to come up you might even get on tazan tv you can watch that now on the tazan lake lodge youtube channel find out more at tazanlake.com all right we come back uh hall of fame angler tom newstrom will join us devil's lake is legendary and this summer has been legendary for walleyes don't miss out call haybell heights campground and resort today to book one of their modern cabins on east bay the cabins are furnished with a full bathroom kitchen and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following cdc guidelines staying at haybell heights gives you full access to a private boat launch fish cleaning station and beach area learn more at haybellheights.com that's haybellheights.com plan your trip to legendary devil's lake today well, the annual holiday known as the fishing opener here in Minnesota is back once again. And uh, the governor's fishing opener is, is it back? Is it kind of back? We're going to talk about that a little bit and just talk about the Minnesota fishing opener and fishing in general in Minnesota, too, with somebody who's been a part of it uh, in this state for a long time. Tom Newstrom, uh, Minnesota Fishing Connections, MN Fishing Connections. He's a guide out of Grand Rapids. He guides on more than 35 lakes and uh, spends a lot of time on a lot of different committees and advisory councils and DNR Roundtable and MinFish. So I got probably a lot of questions for you, Tom. So I appreciate you giving us some time here today. Oh, terrific, Brett. You know, it's always, uh, it's always good to share with people and listeners, uh, you know, a little bit about stuff that we do. And, you know, you don't always read about in the paper and you don't always hear about it on TV or whatever, but, you know, the public has a right to, to listen to some of the things that we provide and help to get accomplished. You know, honestly, on a side note, I think that's one of the biggest struggles that I see in the outdoor industry, particularly in a state like Minnesota, where the outdoors are so important to the not only the residents of the state, but the non-residents that come here, the economic impact, the tourism impact that uh, fishing in particular, but also hunting has on this state. Yet, I feel like the majority of media outlets don't give it uh, don't give it ample time to explain some of the things that's going on. It's almost like a throwaway for them. You know, more and more newspapers have gotten rid of their outdoor writers. There's a couple left in the state. Uh, you know, I do this outdoor show. I know you do some outdoor radio. I feel like sometimes it's hard. You know, I would, I would hit up a lot of radio stations and be like, hey, I, I've got this it's little outdoor radio show. I've been in radio for a long time. I, I build it so it's a no brainer for you to carry. It's simple, it's free. And they're like, well, we got this other outdoor show. I'm like, yeah, fantastic. Let's have two of them. You know, it's it's important. Or do you want to play another uh, another country song that gets played 500 times, you know, a day? I feel like it's sometimes hard to get outdoor messaging 
out to the people that hunt and fish around here. So uh, I, I think that's one of the, the reasons I really like Men Fish because I think we need an organization like that that's uh, that stands up for outdoorsmen or, or anglers in, in this case for the state to help get some of those messages out. So uh, anyway, just a little side rant for you there uh, here on the show to get started because I, I think uh, I think there's so many people that like to hunt and fish yet sometimes it's hard to find that content unless you go to you know YouTube or something like that. Oh, and I, you know, I think that's an important uh, message, Brett. You know, I mean, Minfish was established to represent anglers. You know, we, we we don't really have a voice. I mean, anglers don't have a voice. Sure, you've got different individual groups. You've got Walleyes Unlimited. You've got uh, Smallmouth Alliance. You've got all these different things that uh, at least I, I would say they're smaller groups. But we wanted to organize something that had some really key people to um represent the anglers and move forward on a lot of these issues and it's not just the fishing but there's other things that we provide too you know it's uh we're working on getting some money for fixing up hatcheries and and uh public accesses and i wish i had a ton of time to tell you about some of the stuff that's been accomplished already especially on a public access side we got some federal grant money and we actually got a couple of the accesses already fixed in redone up on the Winnie Cutfoot area. And, um, it, you know, so it, it's kind of one of those things that we want to represent anglers in every possible way we can and, and just be a voice for them. I didn't realize, and honestly, until I heard this issue brought up by Min Fish, I didn't realize that we had so many lakes that either didn't have a public access or had a public access and some serious need of repair. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, when you spend a lot of time up north, as I do, but uh, and travel a lot and use a lot of accesses, uh, you know, I think that was one of the important part that we tried to bring forward to even the federal government when we were able to um, access that grant money to fix these accesses. It's a start. You know, this is just a start in a big project. And we want people to understand and we want legislators and that to understand that, you know, we need the funding to get this done. Uh, you know, Brett, I want to throw something at you a little bit, just real quick. Uh, a lot of people don't even know how many people fish in Minnesota. Of the 5.8 million people live in Minnesota, 25%, 25% of the yeah. population goes fishing. And they spend $4.4 billion in fishing every year. So, you know, you, you think to yourself, economy-wise, how important fishing is to the state of Minnesota. And I don't think, you know, like, I don't think the public gets to really know those numbers and realize, but uh, 25% of the people fish. And I don't, I don't think the public realizes that. And I don't think sometimes our, our legislature and our elected politicians realize how important uh, fishing is to this state. And I sometimes, I think they forget that. And I think it, they need to be reminded of it constantly. No, I agree. I agree. You know, and it's the outdoors, you know, I mean, Minnesota is absolutely, I always say in the country, sure, you have different model things with elk and mule deer in Montana and Idaho and, and some of the fishing in Michigan and Wisconsin is pretty good, but it's not like Minnesota. You know, we have, I would say, the best diversified fishing of any state in the country, except, you know, maybe like Alaska or something, but in the lower 48, I think we do. So I've done I've done quite a bit of traveling, uh, usually for hunting trips, but I've gone to a number of different states where they either don't have hardly any lakes at all, or the lakes that they do have are a lot of, there are a lot of private lakes or they're pay to play, or, uh, you know, there's, there's no public access for them. People in Minnesota sometimes also, and this goes to the anglers, they don't always realize how good they've got it here. Well, they don't, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the expectations and, you know, you got a lot of things running around, too. You got AIS stuff and, you know, the invasive species things and trying to fight against some of that. But all in all, you know, um, the quality of the water that we have in Minnesota really attains to real positive fishing reproduction and and they're just things that, uh, like you said, we, I don't think the legislators understand how important fishing is to Minnesota. Right. Maybe someday they will. Uh, we always hope for it. And I think Minfish's job is to push in that direction to make them understand that they're, if they invest in us, we will help to provide them with the best quality fishing that can be, you know, can be attained anywhere. 
and I think we have we have grid fishing, but I think there's more work to be done, and, and hopefully uh, we at MinFish can help to attain that and get it done. Well, clean water is such an important issue, and it's something that even people that don't fish uh, should be concerned about because it, it affects everybody. And you, you brought up reproduction, and I wanted to ask you about that because uh, two key points were brought up by MinFish in this, this summit uh, last week, and that was uh, public accesses and also stocking and more funding for the stocking programs in the state. And there's been numbers thrown around about 5% of the fish that get caught are, are, are stocked. Uh, Brad Parsons brought up the fact that stocking will be done where it makes sense. How, how important do you feel that the stocking program is in Minnesota? And are there things that can be done to make it more successful or is it, or is it always going to be a struggle for those stock fish? Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know, I understand that the DNR wants these lakes to take care of themselves and reproduce on their own, but you know, the stocking has to happen and has to be applied in areas where the numbers just don't aren't there. What about all these lakes with these little munchy little northern pike, and you're going to yeah. put a bunch of fry in there, and they they eat them like gumdrops, you know, and it's it just. Uh, you know, we, we look at, at different stuff like that, and it, it's kind of important to understand that, that you you have to have these lakes stocked, and even raising the size of the fish, you know. If a lake has got a, a real northern pike problem, then why aren't you putting fingerlings in those lakes like you used to? You know, don't pull the, you know, don't pull the fingerling stocking back because you feel that the fry is more cost efficient. Well, it might be cost efficient, but if you're not getting any, any bang for the buck by putting them in there, because they're getting eaten so fast, then what are you accomplishing? And it takes years. It takes years for this stuff to show its, uh, you know, to show its face. So, I think those are some of the things that we're gonna. We're hoping to have another meeting with them, uh, maybe later in the year. And I think one of the issues we're going to talk to them about it's going to be the stocking. But I also have respect to them that if a lake can take care of itself and reproduce well and keep their numbers up. Uh, then that's something that they need to really look at upon not to be managing in an aggressive way and continue stocking. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get on the, on the horn on this deal, but you got to remember that if you continue to stock fish in a lake that has an overabundance of fish right now, say walleyes, okay, you're not doing it any good. You know, you're just pushing the button the opposite reverse way. And, and I think that those are the those are the complicated things that not only the public doesn't understand, it's taken me years. I mean, I've been on these committees for 16, 18 years. It's taken me a long time to realize it, but there are some lakes that shouldn't be stocked continuously because they're at capacity now. So there again, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, so. Yeah, well, there, there's a reason some of those guys, you know, they went to, bi you know, went to school to be a biologist and I didn't. So there's gonna be, there's gonna be quite a few things that they know better than I do. Uh, but, but one thing I, I think a lot of people are getting on board with, and I'm curious to know what MinFish, if, if MinFish has a position on this and that's lowering the walleye limits in the state of Minnesota, or or keeping them on a lake by lake basis or or what do you think the future is for walleye limits you know brett i think i'm i'm supportive of the four walleye limit with the one over 20 i was and i have been for about six years but you know uh i think at times people i, I don't know i it it's been a very controversial subject and all everybody on Minfish board doesn't uh, agree with the four walleye limit. You know, it's one of those things that we talk about and, and we discuss it and it's not, we don't put it up for a vote, but um, I think when we look at the pressure, we look at electronics, we look at um, all the things that are, are happening at, underneath the surface of the water. I think we have to look at limiting ourselves of what we take. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you look at all the large lakes, except for maybe Winnie and Cass, um, they're all four now and have been four for quite a while. And they're very successful. The tourism is good. The fishing is good. In fact, it's better in some places. And so therefore, even with the biological part from some of these guys that say, no, it's never going to change anything. You take a third of the limit away 
and you tell me that it's not going to provide more fish in the next five to 20 years, I, I don't believe it. But there again, you know, I mean, I'm not a biologist. I'm like you. I, I, I don't have a Ph.D., but, yeah. uh, you know. So this is kind of a personal question. You got a few gray whiskers there. I'm wondering if you had those before you joined the Malax Council or the Malax Committee or, or if that's just been a stressful time. I think it got grayer. No, <laughs> uh, it, it's it is frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. I I don't I don't care what anybody says or thinks. It's frustrating because we can't do anything anymore. We're we're stuck. We're we're in a hole and we're stuck. And they have done everything that they can do. The fisheries uh, people and it's a shared uh, it's a shared fishery with the tribes and. Um, I think the fishing is still very, very good, but the lake is not uh, as healthy, I think, as other lakes are, like a leech or a winnie. Uh, they have year classes of fish that disappear, and they don't even know why. They don't even know where they go, and they don't even know who's eating what. But the problem is, is that I don't know, I don't know how long it's going to ever take for that lake to come back to where it was, if it ever does. And I think they're being very careful with it and they watch it. And um, I, you know, it's a great catch and release lake, phenomenal. But it's just, uh, there's people, the one thing about walleyes is people like to catch them, but they like to eat them too. Yeah. If you give people enough to eat, you don't have to give them big limits, but if you give them enough to eat, a couple fish to take home each day when they go fishing, I think, I think it's enough. You know, and I, I just wish that Millas would go into a different direction and where you can go instead of one fish from 21 to 23, you know, is there some year classes that are coming up that can be exploited a little bit, you know, where maybe we could take two fish uh, home with us to eat. I don't know. That's going to be the, I think that's going to be a significant thing in the future and how the management of that lake takes place. Tom Heinrich is a phenomenal manager from the DNR. He is, he was up at uh, Lake of the Woods for 30 something years. And I think he's doing a great job, but I think there's only so much you can do. And um, I think it's frustrating to a lot of us on the committee and uh, it's okay. Uh, that's what uh, committees are about sometimes is trying to get the things accomplished and get them done. But boy, I'll tell you, it's it's been a tough ride. Yeah. I was surprised that it was going to be a 21 to 23 inch slot once again. And I'm and I'm wondering, is it because there's an abundance of fish in that in that year class or is it because you can only keep one and there's a good amount of fish in that year class and you can get a fair amount of meat off a 22 inch walleye or what what's the reasoning for the 21 to 23? Well, it's the numbers that were that are there, but they've got to be getting diminished because if you're if you're for three years, you're accessing that size fish, it's got to get diminished. There is some younger fish coming up, but they're not as strong as that year class. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where that these new year classes come up and how many numbers are in them. I mean, I, I think it's uh, totally uncertain at this point, but. I, I think, you know, these real successful walleye lakes like a leech or a winnie or a rainy uh, red lake, of course, I think when you look at having five to six year classes of fish coming up behind your harvest fish, uh, that really shows you that, you know, you've got something coming up that will really, you know, be the future of that lake. And right now I'm not I'm not seeing it, not with the test. Uh, Chestnut results that I'm not seeing it, but there are a couple year classes that are strong, but not like the not like the 2017. No. Now on paper, it's easy to compare Malax to say Red Lake. Obviously, it's two different bodies of water, and I think Malax just. I think it's proximity to the Twin Cities metro area. Just, I think that lake just gets hit, hit so hard from anglers because of its proximity to a major population area. Uh, but what? What differences and similarities between Red and Mille Lacs have you seen? And is there anything that's worked on one or the other that could that could work vice versa? Or is it or do you just have to look at them at, as two separate bodies of water? That's an easy one, Brett. Two separate bodies of water. Red Lake is uh, the perfect storm. You know, I mean, if, if you were going to design a lake 
that had all the, you know, everything for reproduction, uh, I, I would say a similarity of a lake like Red Lake would be your design. It's got the rock, the habitat. Uh, it's got all the spawning habitat, re good reproduction, good food. They've got perch shiners. They've got everything, everything that a, a top end walleye lake needs to reproduce fish on its own. Sure, was it stocked heavily, you know, back when it got exploited? Yeah, but once it came back, it came back strong. And you now you got, you know, you got four to five to six year classes of fish in there. So again, it's the perfect storm lake. Milax is different, more complex, uh, a lot different, more species, um, you know, more questions, you know, how come the perch population isn't coming back? Well, I think they're getting eaten. <laughs> You know, more than anything, I think they're before they can uh, get to be a bigger fish. I think they're getting eaten. But I don't. It's, you know, and that's my perception. And I think it's a more complex fishery. They're two different fisheries. Lake of the Woods benefited from that slot limit that they put in. I think that's one of the best things that 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 could have happened to that lake. But I think Lake of the Woods gets the benefit too of having so much water up in Canada uh that it's just it's in a, a different it's in a different classification for walleye lakes in minnesota it's just a an unbelievable fishery but we're we're uh blessed with a number of great walleye lakes thankfully here in minnesota so you have a lot of options and a lot of different a lot of different lakes to go to as long as you can get on them as long as there's a public access to get on them there's a lot of places that you can go um <clears throat> How do you think it's going to look? We got some weird weather before the weekend here. Do you think these storms are going to throw the fishing off a little bit here for the opener? It could. You know, it could. It depends. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I think that, the, the, you know, it, what what is we as human beings, what do we do? We eat. We got to eat. You know, to survive, we have to eat something. Maybe we don't eat as much one day over the other, but we have to eat. And, and wildlife's the same way and fish are the same way. Sure, there's fronts and storms that come through that can really knock the fishing for a day or so, but I, I think it just limits their, uh, you know, it limits their feeding cycle, but they, they gotta eat. And uh, I think it, right now, um, I think with the fish either in the spawn or really in post spawn on some of the lakes, I think that uh, the fishing's still gonna be good with the storm, even with the storms passing. Um, it might be better Sunday, Monday rather than Saturday, but I still think Saturday is going to be pretty darn good. Um, I, you know, they're going to be shallow and I'm, I'm excited about it. Now you're up in that Grand Rapids area or Winnie, uh, Leach, uh, cast. Where do you think we're at with the late spring when it comes to the spawn? And then how are the water levels? Are you guys pretty high up there? Yes. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're high and we need it. I got, I'll tell you, when you talked about, you know, accessibility to lakes last summer and fall, it was brutal. I mean, there was a lot of lakes we couldn't get into. Now, if you got a boat, you know, if you got an 18-foot boat or even 17 and bigger, it was tough. And uh, I, I was so happy to see the snow this year, and, and we've got a lot of water right now. Um, I would say cut foot, uh, if I was guessing, is probably up about 16 to 18 inches over last fall. And that's pretty significant. And, and, I, and I'm just guessing when I looked at the water level, so it might be even a little higher than that, but it was so low last year, it, it made getting out on all our lakes in the area really tough. Well, the governor's fishing opener is, is back. I guess it's kind of a weird, it's been kind of a weird year, obviously, where there were there's some lingering COVID effects on planning and and uh, putting together uh, an official opener. But now there's going to be some some media invited and and some things going on. And you're taking uh, Governor Walls out. Uh, do you, did you guarantee him a walleye Saturday morning? Oh, it's hard. I never do that. I, I <laughs> never can do that. I can't guarantee any politicians anything. do it all the time. Come on, Tom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, you know, I have a great opportunity to get a bit and, and uh, it, it's like everything else, you know, fishing is uh, exactly what it is. It's fishing. So the catching is a bonus and uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to get a bit. And I just, uh, I, hopefully that, um, hopefully we can get on a few fish and catch them. You know, sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I think it's a challenge to me. Uh, there's a little bit of pressure on me to do it, but it, it 
you know what, when you're guiding for as many years as I've been guiding, you have pressure on a lot of your trips. And yeah. it's just, a, to me, I look at this as it's a, an important client. And my job is to give him the opportunity to catch a fish. That's my job as a guide. And every, leave everything else somewhere else. Yeah, That's my yeah. job. Well, that, you know, that, I think that would be the hardest part for me is just to leave, just to make it just about fishing and not just have at least one little political card, you know, in my back pocket that I want to, Hey, you know, maybe you should, maybe you should think about this, you know, on Monday when you're in the office, but you make it about fishing and you know, you're in the national freshwater fishing hall of fame, the Minnesota fishing hall of fame. I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can keep it just about fishing. Um, I'm sure you've been a part of the governor's opener before. Have you taken politicians out or celebrities or some other high profile clients before? Oh yeah. Many times. And, and, you know, and I've never taken uh, a governor fishing. Um, I have to, I have to say, I think I did, but it was so long ago. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I've been involved in organizing uh, more than just taking people fishing, you know, with the governor's side. But um, I've taken a lot of, you know, athletes, pro athletes, uh, you know, different high profile people, you know, one of my, one of my favorite customers in a, in it was a it was a big time guy and and we we fished together for many years and he still calls me on the phone but but i think you know when you look at all my clients and this is i don't want it to sound corny but all my clients are important to me every client i don't care how they put their shoes on or their pants everyone is important to me i treat everybody the same no matter who they are and who they come from or where they come from and that's probably why I've been successful is what I did, because my clients know that, that every one of them is special. Did any of them ever surprise you? Like, wow, this, this person knows how to catch fish. Uh, yeah, you know, some do. I mean, you know, some will, some will surprise you that they're better fishermen than you anticipated. But, um, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of guys this last probably – I would say 15 years have brought their wives with them because they don't have the patience and they don't want to try to teach the wife how to fish, but they want her as their partner to be able to fish. So they bring them to me and I teach them. Well, some of these gals have become pretty darn good fishermen and uh, it surprises me sometimes, but they, they listen a little bit better than the, than the, than the male occupants. <laughs> well, are you going to take, Take the governor out at midnight, or is it just going to be an early morning no. on Saturday? No, it's going to be an early morning deal. Do you ever do, you ever do the midnight thing anymore? No. <laughs> no. no that was back in the day, and and, and uh, you know, I always remember uh, a statement from Al Linder. He said, "The fish will bite." when you get to them, when you find them, they'll be there. It doesn't matter the time of day. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I think that's part of it. And I think that they, they have a process of what they do now. We don't, they don't have to go out at midnight. Yeah. I mean, just to be a true Minnesotan and say, Hey, I went out at midnight. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, did you get bit? No, never had a bite. Well, that's because they probably didn't bite at night. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of it, but yeah, maybe maybe 20 years ago or uh, whatever, just to do it, do it just to say you did it. But it's, it's just so much easier when you do it when it's light out. You know, uh, well, you can see, you, know. you can see. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, speaking of lenders, you're from Illinois originally. I'm from Chicago. Yes. And that did you know them when you were in Illinois? Uh, Alan, Ron? You no, know, I met Al. Uh, I met Al and Dave Sanda from In Fisherman. I met them. I knew Dave before I knew Al, but I met them all oh, in the 70s, late 70s. And. Al and I have been friends. Oh God, we've been friends for 35 years. Very, very close friends. And I think, um, you know, I have, I owe a lot. I, I would say Al has been one of the biggest mentors in my life in fishing and uh, great people. But the thing about people from Chicago and Illinois that why they're such good fishermen is because they just don't have any fish to catch there. So, so they have to be very good at it uh, in order to get bit. So then when you move up here, it's like utopia. You know, it's like the promised land. And uh, and I think that's why we, we were such good fishermen, because we just didn't have much to catch. 
So we had to be very good. <laughs> so you moved to Grand Grand Rapids then from Chicago. Did you know? I mean, did you did you do it for the to, to work with lenders, or did that was that just a byproduct of moving up here? Oh, I think it's a byproduct. You know, I got a deputy sheriff's job up here, but I was guiding on Lake Geneva in uh, southern Wisconsin for a couple of years before I moved up here. But a friend of mine had moved here from, he had originally lived here and moved back here from Chicago, invited me up and I fell in love with it. And the fishing was off the charts, but, but it was the country and the people. And I just thought, you know, this is where I want to live. You know, this, this is a place I want to be. And uh, I think that's what kind of drove me here. I took a year off uh, and fished every day off I had and I fished about a dozen lakes learned them and then I hung the shingle out and started guiding. I think it was in 1980 and uh, it's been uh, it's been a run ever since. So you were in law enforcement. Did you do that in Chicago? Yes. Oof. Oh boy. How was that? Well, you know, it was uh, it was different. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you that I, I just uh, uh, I had a tough job there. I was uh, a narcotics investigator. I worked some really tough jobs down there. And um, I, I think, you know, I got shot up pretty bad um, in 1971. And I recovered from that. And um, after that, I, of course, after that, I got promoted to investigator. And then after a few years doing that, it's just like in your mind, you want to go to somewhere where you feel comfortable where you feel that you can make a difference and i think my whole fishing career even when it started I, I never thought about that but as time went on i think that's who i am as i've always wanted to make a difference in the fishing community and i think it was taught to me very well by the lenders and um i'm a, I'm a byproduct of that so um it's been fun i i I wouldn't trade places with anybody. I wouldn't. I, I love my I love my life and I love my job. We'll, we'll keep it on on the fishing side. So for anybody else that's going to be heading out on Saturday morning, what advice would you give them? Well, you know, I think the fish are going to be shallow on most of the lakes. You know, I, I think at times we kind of throw it into a, a bag of tricks and say, oh, yeah, you got to fish shallow. That's the only way you're going to get bit. Pay attention to your weather. Uh, if the water starts warming up too quick for you, then you need to drop off a little bit. You need to go out to that uh, 14, uh, even as deep as 20 feet. If they're done spawning and they've been done spawning for two weeks or so, those fish are going to drop down. The males will stick around. But right now, I would say up where I'm going to be, I'm going to probably be fishing oh, 6 to 12 feet. Um, right along the areas of spawning, you know, spots that I know that the fish have used for spawning. Uh, even on the north end of Lake Winnie and the west side of Winnie, I would I would fish even as shallow as four feet up there because hmm. you're going to be fishing mostly males. But um, I think on most of the lakes, you know, in the whole northern region, I think, uh, you know, what did somebody teach me one time? Where are the fish? They're shallow, deep, or in between? <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I think I would start shallow. And if you're not getting bit, keep coming out a little bit, you know, keep moving out, you know, four to five to six feet at a crack. And eventually you're going to find them and they're going to be active. They're going to be chewing. They're, they want to eat. Uh, they've gone through the spawning ritual or they're in the middle of it and they do want to eat. But, um, you know, if you're after a trophy fish, eh, I would say another couple of weeks would probably be your you know, the best way to approach that. But, you know, if you want to get bit, stay shallow. And, and then, like I say, if, if you're not getting bit, keep moving out a little bit. But, um, you know, kind of look for rock and rubble. Um, if there's any existing weeds coming up or old weed beds, kind of stay on the outside edges of those. And jig and minnow is the deal. I'm, I'm definitely uh, confident if you fish a jig and minnow in these areas, you're going to get bit. Um, can you fish a slip bobber and a leech? Water's a little cold right now. I would uh, I would kind of stay away from that for another week or two for sure till it warms up. But I think uh, trolling crankbaits at night uh, in the evening or early in the morning, um, I'm sure that'll work a little bit for you too. But jigging minnow is going to be that's that's my go-to bait right now. 
Well, I'm looking forward to putting a few in uh, in the live well. I, you know, I, it, it's so hard because I love to eat fish and I love to eat walleye, but I'm also a big proponent of sustainability and protecting our resource. So it's I, it's always a conflicting message when I say I'm looking forward to a fish fry. But I think uh, what you alluded to earlier is keeping a couple to eat. You don't have to keep limits. You don't have to go out there and get everybody's limit in the boat. I'm, I don't need to eat four fish. I can go back out and catch more if I want to eat some more. So I'm looking forward to having some fish and just having a, a good opener. I've been looking forward to this day uh, for a long time. So I wish you well. Wish you good luck on uh, Saturday. Good luck with the governor. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, one last question of what do you think the future of fishing in Minnesota looks like? Oh, I think it's very strong. Um, I, I think, you know, when you get a group even like Minfish that's helping to keep things on track, but I, but I think people are starting to get more interested on in the future of fishing. You know, uh, limits aren't the most important thing to them in the world. Uh, it's, it's just exactly what you said, Brett. Keep enough to eat. Keep a few fish to eat, you know, and, and then you can go back out another time. Now, you know, sometimes you get this controversy about, well, I'm from Illinois or I'm from Iowa. And I want to take a limit home. Well, you know, eat some fish up here and take a few home, but don't. Don't think that you have to crash the freezer with, with limits of fish all the time when you're, when you're either living here or you're a tourist. So I think, you know what, leaving some, taking some, and we're going to ensure that there's going to be fish forever, you know, in our lifetimes anyway. And I, I think conserving fish right now is going to be a real challenge for some people, but it's something that they have to think about. So it was a great point, Brett. You know, keep a couple nice meal to eat and, uh, you know what? If you need some more, go out, go back out and catch them. That's and right. you'll get a few more. So, okay. You betcha. All right, Tom Newstrom, uh, Minnesota Fishing Connections. It's mnfishingconnections.com, right? That's correct. mnfishingconnections.com. Tom, uh, good luck on Saturday. Thanks for the time today on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep. And I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Well, it's time to head up to Lake of the Woods and check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. So we gear up for the big old fishing opener in Minnesota. And uh, Joe, it sounds like you were just up there at Lake of the Woods, kind of checking things out and getting ready for the opener. How, how are things looking up at Lake of the Woods? They're looking good. They're looking real good. You know, we, uh, so conditions that uh, we got a lot of, we got high water, high water in the rainy river. So a couple of our accesses up river are a little bit flooded. Um, I was at the Wheelers or the, the, the access, I think in Bidette is just fine. And, uh, the one at, uh, the Wheelers point boat ramp, which is one of the main ones at the mouth of the rainy river. That's great. And, and our other ramps are great. So we'll be in good shape that way. Um, I was on many of the resorts docks and but I tell you that water's getting close to those docks, but it's just fine still. Um, luckily. And, uh, um, you know, there, there's been some uh, dock damage by some of the ice um, this year because of the high water and the high current in the Rainy River. Um, but, you know, that's getting the, the ice and stuff is out of the, the Rainy River now. And, um, you know, actually, there's been a lot of ice melting on Lake of the Woods. And I just saw a satellite view. I was on the water yesterday or next on the shoreline anyway. And, you know, I, almost as far as you can see, you know, it was open water. You could see a little you could see some ice out there. And, of course, the satellite view confirmed that that I would say right now, about 25% of the lake is uh, ice-free. So depending upon the winds and things like that, it's going to be good fishing for the opener. There's going to be plenty of water to fish, whether you're fishing the Rainy River, fishing, you know, one of the bays, fishing uh, adjacent to the South Shore, or even up at the Northwest Angle. I mean, I saw some videos today of people uh, running running their boats up at the Northwest Angle because, you know, the, the vast majority of ice has uh, gone away now. So there's spots to fish, and, and Brett, it, it should be good. I mean, this is post-spawn. This is a Minnesota fishing opener, and people are going to be out there catching walleyes and saugers on jigs. Mark my words. I know a lot of people are excited to see the lake opening up, and they've been, I've been seeing images, that satellite image. Uh, I, see, I think I've seen updates just about every day this past week as people are excited to go out there. What's it, um, when the water is real high, what's it like going through that gap area? Oh, it's just easier. I mean, because, you know, the water, the water's flowing through and they're really good and there's more water. So, you know, when you go through that gap and what the gap is for people that don't know, 
is um, it's where the Rainy River runs in between Pine Island and Sable Island, and it's kind of a neckdown area, and it's it's all buoyed up, so you know where to go. The charter boats go through there and everything, and that's kind of the main gap to go into Big Lake of the Woods, Big Traverse Bay. So when you go through there with more water, it's actually easier because when you're going through that gap, the biggest hazard you have is not staying in the channel and hitting one of the sandbars on either side of the of the bank. So actually going through there is just fine, and it's deep water and it's flowing it's flowing pretty good through there, but tell you but consequently that's going to be a pretty darn good fishing spot come uh, come opening day oh boy i bet it i bet it is and uh probably all along that south shore i bet that'll be pretty good now the, the well, whole thing I, I should tell you too that you know another another thing is kind of interesting is um the the, the northern pike fishing i mean uh, zippo bay had their northern pike tournament um this past weekend and I'll tell you what you know just to give you an idea what kind of pike fishing you know remember pike fishing is open year-round up on lake of the woods because we're border water and those pike are still in bays even for the minnesota fishing opener there's gonna be pike in those bays and out of that zippo bay tournament they caught uh, 27 pike over 40 inches hmm. now a 40 inch pike is a, a world-class pike and uh, they got 27 of them and many many pike just below 40 inches so there, there's also another nice opportunity, I think, for, for people. If you come up for the opener, hey, jump out on Friday and get in one of the bays and uh, do a little trolling or casting. And it's uh, kind of a fun deal. That's a Zippo Bay tournament? Is that basically open to all Lake of the Woods waters? No, it's open till Zippo, to Zippo Bay. Just Zippo Bay? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. And they caught 27 over 40 just in Zippo Bay there. In, in the two-day tournament, yeah, yeah. yeah so, wow. and they were they were doing, you know, some people were using dead baits, you know, I'm um, just kind of setting setting dead baits uh, either on the bottom or just uh, in the middle of the water column in shallow water, or uh, they were casting spoons, they were trolling cranks, uh, they're getting them a number of, of different ways. But uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, there, <laughs> I just went, to, we had a big meeting with, uh, I have a a resort stakeholder meeting. I call I, I call it every year, one on the south end and one at the northwest angle, and. We uh, were fortunate enough to have really good partnerships with many of our stakeholders, including, you know, DNR Fisheries, DNR Enforcement, DNR Wildlife, DNR Parks, um, U.S. Coast Guard, U.S. Customs, Border Protection, you know, um, gosh, who am I forgetting? Uh, the Sheriff, we've got some county commissioners that come, we've got some legislative folks that come, and you can see it's a whole big podgepodge where everybody gets to hear everybody else. When we go up to the Northwest Angle, we include our friends from Canada, Canada Border Services, and the Canadian Consulate's Office, and things like that. So anyway, um, we had this meeting, and DNR Fisheries kind of gave a State of the Lake report. And every few years, they do uh, netting and things for pike. And they said that they want to have, gosh, if I remember the numbers correct, I think it's like they want to have like 3% of the pike over 40 inches. And right now there's like seven to 9% of the pike that are over 40 <laughs> inches in their test netting. I mean, no, it's just wow. some really good numbers. And we know it's funny because pike don't get much love um, other than March. You know, March is when, you know, everybody does tip ups and that's such, but you know, in April right now, they get a little bit of attention. Other than that, you know, people are catching pike by accident if they're walleye fishing or something. It's, it's amazing, but you know, really, and, and I've, I, I haven't done it enough, but I even think to myself in the summer, I'll talk to a buddy who knows the fishery pretty well. And he's like, ah, just for fun, we went trolling in one of the bays with the uh, crankbaits and oh my gosh, did we catch the pike? What a fun day. Or if it's a below day or you just want to mix it up or something, you know, and I'll tell you, you you'd be surprised. You know, when you go on a milk run and go cast in shorelines for pike and stuff, how you'll pick up walleyes, you'll pick up smallmouth. You know, it, it just, it, it's kind of a fun day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my first 40 inch pike that I ever caught was on Lake of the Woods. And granted, it was the, the Canadian side, but it, you know, same body of water. And uh, uh, I got kind of excited about that. And I, I want to make, I want to make a summer trip to the Northwest Angle this year. And I want to do a little bit more fishing a little different fishing that i've been normally doing up at lake of the woods so might have to try to uh cast some some windy points or cast some shorelines and chase some of those big pike around up there a little bit this year i gotta, I gotta tell you too Brett. you know uh, back you know gosh probably 10 years ago now when rapala first introduced there's there's scatter app mm -hmm. which is a crankbait with a rounded bill and it kicks off to the side and stuff it's a good crank even today we uh, we hosted what was called the scatter app challenge and we did a big media event and all we could use was you know, we're, we're scatter apps. And um, oftentimes we were just doing shorelines and just casting shorelines. And what was amazing to me is, you know, Lake of the Woods, it's a million acres of water, if you include the Canadian and US side together. It's got over 14,552 islands and there's over 65,000 miles of shoreline. So when you start casting shorelines, it's amazing how many little nuances that you see that you never would have seen. 
underwater points, shelves, different kind of weeds, um, bays, uh, uh, just, I mean, there's so much, and, and the fish we caught adjacent to shoreline, you know, I think that it rings a bell to me is that, you know, not every fish in the system is doing the same thing. You might have a lot of walleyes sitting over deep mud. You might have some walleyes on this windblown point, but you, know, you also have walleyes that are shallow related and, and they, you know, you got fish all over the darn place. So it really was quite interesting. I think just, uh, doing that, it was fun. It was just uh, casting shorelines with a, with that scatter wrap, really a fun, fun deal. Well, I'm looking forward to the opener. I'm looking forward to getting back up to Lake of the Woods. And if people want to get up there yet this weekend or plan a trip this somewhere this summer to get up there to Lake of the Woods, what should they do, Joe? Yeah, you know what? Um, hey, our, our Facebook or Instagram pages, Lake of the Woods Tourism. Hey, otherwise, our website has a source of information for you, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are excited to go fishing with the fishing opener here uh, this weekend. And whether or not the walleyes are biting, it sounds like panfish are starting to heat up. And Eric Osberg from Otter Tail Lakes Country joins us now. And Eric, you sent me a couple pictures the other day. Uh, sounds like you were on the fish. We were. We we I I turned to Willie at one point and said, I think this might be the best crappie bite I've ever been on in my life. And he didn't believe it. He, yeah, he was like, well, I don't know. I'm like, what? But it was, so we left the house at 6 p.m. And we we got on the water about 6.30. We caught our first fish at set. I looked back at the pictures, right? Like it has the data, right? Like it was 6.59. And for an hour and a half, we were spot locked, casting into a spot. And it was one after another blind we couldn't you know we weren't sight fishing there you go we weren't sight fishing or anything and it was um an hour and a half of if you went two casts and you didn't get a bite you, you felt like something had changed hmm. but it, it was it was and it was doubles and um it'd be you know it was and they were all big fish even you know like the biggest was 14 and a half and even the ones that weren't 14 and a half, they were still 12, 13. They were just big, huge, thick crappies. Um, and and we and Willie got a Willie got a uh, a surprise bluegill in the mix. Um, all artificial bait didn't didn't have a single minnow in the boat. Uh, Willie was using uh, it's a called a tough tube from Northland Fishing Tackle, and then I was using a. Uh, uh, just a, a 16th ounce jig with a, it's called a joker. It's a plastic, uh, I think Strike Kings make, Strike King makes them. And um, yeah, it was, it was just lights out. It was, it was hour and a half of steady big crappies. Dang. Were, was it shallow? Did you say how deep it was? It, I didn't say. It was about seven feet of water. Hmm. So it wasn't way up shallow and it wasn't, you know, it was the, the, the what the fish were relating to is, is a, there was a river nearby, a river mouth, and we weren't like close to the river mouth. It was just, you know, the river mouth was over there, but there was still, there was enough running water. You know, there was a little bit of current in the, in the lake, right? Like it, we had the spot lock and you could, and if you looked in the water, it, it kind of looked like we were moving, but we weren't, we were just, you know, spot locked. So they were relating to, I think, the, the warm water. The, 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 for whatever reason, there was warmer water right there than there was other places. And so, so they were relating to that. Seven feet of water. Water temp was 52 to 55. Hmm. 
and and they were all <laughs> the crazy thing is is they were all like I, I asked at one point I'm like how many fish possibly could yeah there's there's a video off of the old uh, Instagram and uh, yeah it was how many fish could possibly be, be in that area hmm. and that's a big crappie that's a big huge crappie so yeah um, yeah so it was it was a, it was it was a magical Tuesday night in Ottertail County when he reached for it it almost looks like a almost looks like a large mouth when he thumbs it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were freakishly big, and, and again, it wasn't just the length. It, you know, their their side. You know, their shoulders, their sides. They they were tall. Um. Yeah, you set the hook, and it it didn't feel like you were crappie fishing after you set the hook. So it was a good time. Now, were you running slip bobbers, or were you just uh, kind of dragging the jig back, or what were you doing with those jigs? So Willie was using a bobber, and I I use a. I use a clip bobber. It's just an old school spring, you know, whatever, right? Um, because you're you're really only setting the, you know, you know, we're in seven feet of water, and then you set the you set the depth at like four feet, and so that the, the reason I, I don't know why I do that is so I can take it on and off, and I don't have a bobber stop left on my line. But um, you know, so Willie was using a float, a, a little clip spring bobber, and and you could adjust it three feet down, four feet down. Um, and then I was just, I was tossing that jig and, and letting it, you know, letting it sink to the bottom. And there was many times where it just it never got to the bottom. And same with Willie's bobber, he would cast it and the bobber was laying on its side and then it would, it would start to go, go up and then it would just go down <laughs> into the water. It was That's just, awesome. it, never, it was that fat, you know, then you, you know, and you, we missed, I'll bet we missed, you know, half as many fish as we caught, but it was, um, it was kind of silly. Hmm. Man, that's fun when uh, yep. when you just time it just right. And yep. uh, I don't know, you know, we got the big storms here. I don't know if sometimes they get fired up before a big storm like that or if it just the water temp hit or whatever. They were just in that in that mood. That's fun when you hit it just right like that. And it, it'll be inter interesting to see for the walleye anglers this weekend, what they're going to run into, you know, for all the years that I've been going out on walleye opener, particularly on these governor's openers, when we've been out and around and chasing different, different fish around on different bodies of water. I feel like almost every year, the walleye opener turns into a crappie, crappie fishing day, um, which, which isn't bad, but uh, sometimes it's a, the walleyes just aren't ready or they're post-spawn and a little tough to find or we, or it's cold. The weather isn't really cooperating. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, the air temperatures look like they're going to be pretty, pretty high up there. Right. Like, uh, what, you know, 70, the air temp is going to be warm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that should be fine. I, you know, you, you never know until, you know, you never know until you put boots on the ground. Um, so, so sorry, my kid is up and, uh, my daughter, Leah, <laughs> oh no! You're, awesome. you're back. That's um, funny. Oh, you got a camera you know, camera person now. Yeah, so you never know until you put boots on the ground, right? Like I'll go out at I'm gonna go out at midnight on and 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 I'll do what I do and I'll try to cover water with cranks and look shallow first and then if they're not there, then I'll work my way out deeper. So so you're going out at midnight. Yeah, well, and I'll probably go, you know, I'll launch the boat at 10, 30-ish. There's no rule against driving around and looking, right? Like, just I won't have a line in the water, but just to see, again, can I find warmer water? You know, like if, if you just drove around for an hour and, and it'll be dark so you can't look at the water, but if you drove around and you looked to see if you could find where, you know, there's a weed pile right here or there's a, whatever right here or, or you know what i'm saying like recon right like get some information scouting. and then yeah and then just scouting and then at midnight you drop the you drop the you drop the line in the water and hopefully you figure something out well i'll be honest i guess last last year when i was that was last year i was at dead lake right when we were out there yep. up up in your neck of the woods weather was beautiful I mean, she was a little brisk in the morning, but it was dead calm, clear skies, and it ended up being a, a beautiful day out there. Um, so I, I think, uh, I know Friday is looking pretty good for weather, and I think Saturday should be a pretty nice day too. Well, and the good news is, 
we'll, we'll be back. You know, we're back in the game, right? Like that's that's the best news is we, you know, for those of us who fish inland in Minnesota, we haven't been able to target walleyes. I tell you what, Willie's most excited about bass. He, he he's he's chomping at the bit. He's going to get up early. He's going to go out bass fishing. So so if you're a catch and release bass person, don't forget that catch and release bass opens on uh, Saturday as well. So so the walleyes are the most popular, but uh, sometimes, like you mentioned, they turn into crappie fishing trips. Well, they could turn into a bass fishing trip too. Did you time this so you could just give us a tour of downtown? Yeah, exactly. This is downtown Wadena. Right there is uh, the Boondocks Cafe. They have really good breakfast. Uh, yeah, we could give you, a, we could give you a, a tour of downtown Wadena. There's a brewery right up here called uh, Drastic Measures. They also serve pizza. So this is downtown Wadena. That's great. Well, you know, I uh, I was uh, born not too far from there, down uh, down the highway over in Staples. Um, but it's been a few years since I've been back there, so I might have to go back there, maybe have some food at, at uh, Boondocks there, and then maybe stop over at the brewery afterwards. All right. And then, and then we should go fishing. We should, and we should try to do that. I would like to get up there and try to chase some of those big crappies around before the bite ends. So let's talk off the air about about make some plans and see if we can't get up there. So we'll, we'll get it done. Eric, if people want to learn more about Otter Tail Lakes Country, what should they do? They can find their inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.